Section 23 of Lourdes. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please contact LibriVox.org. Lourdes by Emile Zola. Translated by Ernest Visitelli. The Fifth Day. 3. Departure. At half-past two o'clock the white train, which was to leave Lourdes at 3.40, was already in the station, alongside the second platform. For three days it had been waiting on a siding, in the same state as when it had come from Paris, and since it had been run into the station again, white flags had been waving from the foremost and hindmost of its carriages, by way of preventing any mistakes on the part of the pilgrims, whose entraining was usually a very long and troublesome affair moreover all the fourteen trains of the pilgrimage were timed to leave that day the green train had started off at ten o'clock followed by the pink and the yellow train and the others the orange the grey and the blue would start in turn after the white train had taken its departure it was indeed another terrible day's work for the station staff amidst a tumult and a scramble which altogether distracted them however the departure of the white train was always the event of the day which provoked most interest and emotion for it took away with it all the more afflicted patients amongst whom were naturally those loved by the virgin and chosen by her for the miraculous cures accordingly a large serried crowd was collected under the roofing of the spacious platform a hundred yards in length where all the benches were already covered with waiting pilgrims and their parcels in the refreshment room at one end of the buildings men were drinking beer and women ordering lemonade at the little tables which had been taken by assault whilst at the other end bearers stood on guard at the goods entrance so as to keep the way clear for the speedy passage of the patients who would soon be arriving and all along the broad platform there was incessant coming and going poor people rushing hither and thither in bewilderment priests trotting along to render assistance gentlemen in frock coats looking on with quiet inquisitiveness indeed all the jumbling and jostling of the most mixed most variegated throng ever elbowed in a railway station at three o'clock however the sick had not yet reached the station and baron suir was in despair his anxiety arising from the dearth of horses for a number of unexpected tourists had arrived at lourdes that morning and hired conveyances for barege cotteret and gavarnie at last however the baron espied berteaux and gerard arriving in all haste after scouring the town and when he had rushed up to them they soon pacified him by announcing that things were going splendidly they had been able to procure the needful animals and the removal of the patients from the hospital was now being carried out under the most favourable circumstances squads of bearers with their stretchers and little carts were already in the station-yard watching for the arrival of the vans brakes and other vehicles which had been recruited a reserve supply of mattresses and cushions was moreover heaped up beside a lamp-post nevertheless just as the first patients arrived baron suir again lost his head whilst berteaux and gerard hastened to the platform from which the train would start there they began to superintend matters and gave orders amidst an increasing scramble father fourcade was on this platform walking up and down alongside the train on father Massias's arm seeing dr bonhomie approach he stopped short to speak to him ah doctor said he i am pleased to see you father Massias, who was about to leave us was again telling me just now of the extraordinary favour granted by the blessed virgin to that interesting young person mademoiselle marie de garcin there has not been such a brilliant miracle for years it is signal good fortune for us a blessing which should render our labours fruitful all christendom will be illumined comforted enriched by it 
he was radiant with pleasure and forthwith the doctor with his clean-shaven face heavy peaceful features and usually tired eyes also began to exult yes your reverence it is prodigious prodigious i shall write a pamphlet about it never was cure produced by supernatural means in a more authentic manner ah what a stir it will create then as they had begun walking to and fro again all three together he noticed that father fourcade was dragging his leg with increasing difficulty leaning heavily the while on his companion's arm is your attack of gout worse your reverence he inquired you seem to be suffering a great deal oh don't speak of it i wasn't able to close my eyes all night it is very annoying that this attack should have come on me the very day of my arrival here it might as well have waited but there is nothing to be done so don't let us talk of it any more i am at all events very pleased with this year's result ah yes yes indeed in his turn said father Macias, in a voice which quivered with fervour we may all feel proud and go away with our hearts full of enthusiasm and gratitude how many prodigies there have been in addition to the healing of that young woman you spoke of there is no counting all the miracles deaf women and dumb women have recovered their faculties faces disfigured by sores have become as smooth as the hand moribund consumptives have come to life again and eaten and danced it is not a train of sufferers but a train of resurrection a train of glory that i am about to take back to paris he had ceased to see the ailing creatures around him and in the blindness of his faith was soaring triumphantly then alongside the carriages whose compartments were beginning to fill they all three continued their slow saunter smiling at the pilgrims who bowed to them and at times again stopping to address a kind word to some mournful woman who pale and shivering passed by upon a stretcher they boldly declared that she was looking much better and would assuredly soon get well however the station-master who was incessantly bustling about passed by calling in a shrill voice don't block up the platform please don't block up the platform and on Berthaud pointing out to him that it was at all events necessary to deposit the stretchers on the platform before hoisting the patients into the carriages, he became quite angry. But come, come, is it reasonable? he asked. Look at that little handcart which has been left on the rails over yonder. I expect the train to Toulouse in a few minutes. Do you want your people to be crushed to death? Then he went off at a run to instruct some porters to keep the bewildered flock of pilgrims away from the rails many of them old and simple people did not even recognize the color of their train and this was the reason why one and all wore cards of some particular hue hanging from their necks so that they might be led and entrained like marked cattle and what a constant state of excitement it was with the starting of these fourteen special trains in addition to all the ordinary traffic in which no change had been made pierre arrived valise in hand and found some difficulty in reaching the platform he was alone for marie had expressed an ardent desire to kneel once more at the grotto so that her soul might burn with gratitude before the blessed virgin until the last moment and so he had left monsieur de garcin to conduct her thither whilst he himself settled the hotel bill moreover he had made them promise that they would take a fly to the station and they would certainly arrive within a quarter of an hour meantime his idea was to seek their carriage and there rid himself of his valise this however was not an easy task and he only recognized the carriage eventually by the placard which had been swinging from it in the sunlight and the storms during the last three days a square of pasteboard bearing the names of madame de jonquiere and sisters hyacinthe and claire des anges there could be no mistake and pierre again pictured the compartments full of his travelling companions some cushions already marked monsieur sabatier's corner 
and on the seat where marie had experienced such suffering he still found some scratches caused by the ironwork of her box then having deposited his valise in his own place he remained on the platform waiting and looking around him with a slight feeling of surprise at not perceiving dr chassaigne who had promised to come and embrace him before the train started now that marie was well again pierre had laid his bearer straps aside and merely wore the red cross of the pilgrimage on his cassock the station of which he had caught but a glimpse in the livid dawn amidst the anguish of the terrible morning of their arrival now surprised him by its spacious platforms its broad exits and its clear gaiety he could not see the mountains but some verdant slopes rose up on the other side in front of the waiting-rooms and that afternoon the weather was delightfully mild the sky of a milky whiteness with light fleecy clouds veiling the sun whence there fell a broad diffuse light like a nacreous pearly dust maiden's weather as country folk are wont to say the big clock had just struck three and pierre was looking at it when he saw madame des agneaux and madame volmar arrive followed by madame de jonquiere and her daughter these ladies who had driven from the hospital in a landau at once began looking for their carriage and it was raymonde who first recognized the first-class compartment in which she had travelled from paris mamma mamma here here it is she called stay a little while with us you have plenty of time to install yourself among your patients since they haven't yet arrived pierre now again found himself face to face with madame volmar and their glances met however he gave no sign of recognition and on her side there was but a slight sudden drooping of the eyelids she had again assumed the air of a languid indolent black-robed woman who modestly shrinks back well pleased to escape notice her brazier-like eyes no longer glowed it was only at long intervals that they kindled into a spark beneath the veil of indifference the moiré-like shade which dimmed them oh it was a fearful sick headache she was repeating to madame des agneaux and you can see i've hardly recovered the use of my poor head yet it's the journey which brings it on it's the same thing every year however berteau and gerard who had just perceived the ladies were hurrying up to them that morning they had presented themselves at the hospital of our lady of dolours and madame de jonquiere had received them in a little office near the linen room thereupon apologizing with smiling affability for making his request amidst such a hurly-burly berteau had solicited the hand of mademoiselle raymonde for his cousin gerard they at once felt themselves at ease the mother with some show of emotion saying that lourdes would bring the young couple good luck and so the marriage was arranged in a few words amidst general satisfaction a meeting was even appointed for the fifteenth of september at the chateau of berneville near caen an estate belonging to raymond's uncle the diplomatist whom bertrand knew and to whom he promised to introduce gerard then raymond was summoned and blushed with pleasure as she placed her little hand in those of her betrothed finding her now upon the platform the latter began paying her every attention and asking would you like some pillows for the night don't make any ceremony about it i can give you plenty both for yourself and for these ladies who are accompanying you however raymond gaily refused the offer no no said she we are not so delicate keep them for the poor sufferers all the ladies were now talking together madame de jonquiere declared that she was so tired so tired that she no longer felt alive and yet she displayed great happiness her eyes smiling as she glanced at her daughter and the young man she was engaged to but neither berteau nor gerard could remain there they had their duties to perform and accordingly took their leave after reminding madame de jonquiere and raymonde of the appointed meeting it was understood was it not on september fifteenth at the chateau of berneville yes yes it was understood 
and then came fresh smiles and handshakes while the eyes of the newly engaged couple caressing delighted eyes added all that they dared not say aloud in the midst of such a throng what exclaimed little madame des agneaux you will go to berneville on the fifteenth but if we stay at trouville till the twentieth as my husband wishes to do we will go to see you and then turning towards madame von Mar, who stood there silent she added you ought to come as well my dear it would be so nice to meet there altogether but with a slow wave of the hand and an air of weary indifference madame volmar answered oh my holiday is all over i am going home just then her eyes again met those of pierre who had remained standing near the party and he fancied that she became confused whilst an expression of indescribable suffering passed over her lifeless face the sisters of the assumption were now arriving and the ladies joined them in front of the cantine van ferrand who had come with the sisters from the hospital got into the van and then helped sister saint francois to mount upon the somewhat high footboard then he remained standing on the threshold of the van transformed into a kitchen and containing all sorts of supplies for the journey such as bread broth milk and chocolate while sister hyacinthe and sister claire des anges who were still on the platform passed him his little medicine chest and some small articles of luggage you are sure you have everything sister hyacinthe asked him all right well now you only have to go and lie down in your corner and get to sleep since you complain that your services are not utilized ferrand began to laugh softly i shall help sister saint francois said he i shall light the oil stove wash the crockery carry the cups of broth and milk to the patients whenever we stop according to the timetable hanging yonder and if all the same you should require a doctor you will please come to fetch me sister hyacinthe had also begun to laugh but we no longer require a doctor since all our patients are cured she replied and fixing her eyes on his with her calm sisterly air she added good-bye monsieur ferrand he smiled again whilst a feeling of deep emotion brought moisture to his eyes the tremulous accents of his voice expressed his conviction that he would never be able to forget this journey his joy at having seen her again and the souvenir of divine and eternal affection which he was taking away with him good-bye sister said he then madame de jonquiere talked of going to her carriage with sister claire des anges and sister hyacinthe but the latter assured her that there was no hurry since the sick pilgrims were as yet scarcely arriving she left her therefore taking the other sister with her and promising to see to everything moreover she even insisted on ridding the superintendent of her little bag saying that she would find it on her seat when it was time for her to come thus the ladies continued walking and chatting gaily on the broad platform where the atmosphere was so pleasant pierre however his eyes fixed upon the big clock watched the minutes hasten by on the dial and began to feel surprised at not seeing marie arrive with her father it was to be hoped that monsieur de guersin would not lose himself on the road the young priest was still watching when to his surprise he caught sight of monsieur vigneron in a state of perfect exasperation pushing his wife and little gustave furiously before him oh monsieur l'abbé he exclaimed tell me where our carriage is help me to put our luggage and this child in it i am at my wit's end they have made me altogether lose my temper then on reaching the second-class compartment he caught hold of pierre's hands just as the young man was about to place little gustave inside and quite an outburst followed could you believe it they insist on my starting they tell me that my return ticket will not be available if i wait here till tomorrow it was of no use my telling them about the accident as it is it's by no means pleasant to have to stay with that corpse watch over it see it put in a coffin and remove it to-morrow within the regulation time 
but they pretend that it doesn't concern them that they already make large enough reductions on the pilgrimage tickets and that they can't enter into any questions of people dying madame vigneron stood all of a tremble listening to him whilst gustave forgotten staggering on his crutch with fatigue raised his poor inquisitive suffering face but at all events continued the irate father as i told them it's a case of compulsion what do they expect me to do with that corpse i can't take it under my arm and bring it them to-day like an article of luggage i am therefore absolutely obliged to remain behind but no ah oh, how many stupid and wicked people there are have you spoken to the station-master asked pierre the station-master oh he's somewhere about in the midst of the scramble they were never able to find him how could you have anything done properly in such a bear garden still i mean to rout him out and give him a bit of my mind then perceiving his wife standing beside him motionless glued as it were to the platform he cried what are you doing there get in so that we may pass you the youngster and the parcels with these words he pushed her in and threw the parcels after her whilst the young priest took gustave in his arms the poor little fellow who was as light as a bird seemingly thinner than before consumed by sores and so full of pain raised a faint cry oh my dear child have i hurt you asked pierre no no monsieur l'abbé but i've been moved about so much to-day and i'm very tired this afternoon as he spoke he smiled with his usual intelligent and mournful expression and then sinking back into his corner closed his eyes exhausted indeed done for by this fearful trip to lourdes as you can very well understand now resumed monsieur vigneron it by no means amuses me to stay here kicking my heels while my wife and my son go back to paris without me they have to go however for life at the hotel is no longer bearable and besides if i kept them with me and the railway people won't listen to reason i should have to pay three extra fares and to make matters worse my wife hasn't got much brains i'm afraid she won't be able to manage things properly then almost breathless he overwhelmed madame vigneron with the most minute instructions what she was to do during the journey how she was to get back home on arriving in paris and what steps she was to take if gustave should have another attack somewhat scared she responded in all docility to each recommendation yes yes dear of course dear of course but all at once her husband's rage came back to him after all he shouted what i want to know is whether my return ticket be good or not i must know for certain they must find that station-master for me he was already on the point of rushing away through the crowd when he noticed gustave's crutch lying on the platform this was disastrous and he raised his eyes to heaven as though to call providence to witness that he would never be able to extricate himself from such awful complications and throwing the crutch to his wife he hurried off distracted and shouting there take it you forget everything the sick pilgrims were now flocking into the station and as on the occasion of their arrival there was endless disorderly carting along the platform and across the lines all the abominable ailments all the sores all the deformities went past once more neither their gravity nor their number seeming to have decreased for the few cures which had been effected were but like a faint inappreciable gleam of light amidst the general mourning they were taken back as they had come the little carts laden with helpless old women with their bags at their feet grated over the rails the stretchers on which you saw inflated bodies and pale faces with glittering eyes swayed amidst the jostling of the throng there was wild and senseless haste indescribable confusion questions calls sudden running all the whirling of a flock which cannot find the entrance to the pen 
and the bearers ended by losing their heads no longer knowing which direction to take amidst the warning cries of the porters who at each moment were frightening people distracting them with anguish take care take care over there make haste no no don't cross the toulouse train the toulouse train retracing his steps pierre again perceived the ladies madame de jonquiere and the others still gaily chatting together lingering near them he listened to berthaud whom father foucard had stopped to congratulate him on the good order which had been maintained throughout the pilgrimage the ex-public prosecutor was now bowing his thanks feeling quite flattered by this praise is it not a lesson for their republic your reverence he asked people get killed in paris when such crowds as these celebrate some bloody anniversary of their hateful history they ought to come and take a lesson here he was delighted with the thought of being disagreeable to the government which had compelled him to resign he was never so happy as when women were just saved from being knocked over amidst the great concourse of believers at lourdes however he did not seem to be satisfied with the results of the political propaganda which he came to further there during three days every year fits of impatience came over him things did not move fast enough when did our lady of lourdes mean to bring back the monarchy you see your reverence said he the only means the real triumph would be to bring the working classes of the towns here en masse i shall cease dreaming i shall devote myself to that entirely ah if one could only create a catholic democracy father fourcard had become very grave his fine intelligent eyes filled with a dreamy expression and wandered far away how many times already had he himself made the creation of that new people the object of his efforts but was not the breath of a new messiah needed for the accomplishment of such a task yes yes he murmured a catholic democracy ah the history of humanity would begin afresh but father marcias interrupted him in a passionate voice saying that all the nations of the earth would end by coming whilst dr bonamy who already detected a slight subsidence of fervour among the pilgrims wagged his head and expressed the opinion that the faithful ones of the grotto ought to increase their zeal to his mind success especially depended on the greatest possible measure of publicity being given to the miracles and he assumed a radiant air and laughed complacently whilst pointing to the tumultuous defile of the sick look at them said he don't they go off looking better there are a great many who although they don't appear to be cured are nevertheless carrying the germs of cure away with them of that you may be certain ah the good people they do far more than we do all together for the glory of our lady of lourdes however he had to check himself for madame de la Faye was passing before them in her box lined with quilted silk she was deposited in front of the door of the first-class carriage in which a maid was already placing the luggage pity came to all who beheld the unhappy woman for she did not seem to have awakened from her prostration during her three days sojourn at lourdes what she had been when they had removed her from the carriage on the morning of her arrival that she also was now when the bearers were about to place her inside it again clad in lace covered with jewels still with the lifeless imbecile face of a mummy slowly liquefying and indeed you might have thought that she had become yet more wasted that she was being taken back diminished shrunken more and more to the proportions of a child by the march of that horrible disease which after destroying her bones was now dissolving the softened fibres of her muscles inconsolable bowed down by the loss of their last hope her husband and sister their eyes red were following her with abbe Juden, even as one follows a corpse to the grave no no not yet said the old priest to the bearers in order to prevent them from placing the box in the carriage she will have time enough to roll along in there 
let her have the warmth of that lovely sky above her till the last possible moment then seeing pierre near him he drew him a few steps aside and in a voice broken by grief resumed ah i am indeed distressed again this morning i had a hope i had her taken to the grotto i said my mass for her and came back to pray till eleven o'clock but nothing came of it the blessed virgin did not listen to me although she cured me a poor useless old man like me i could not obtain from her the cure of this beautiful young and wealthy woman whose life ought to be a continual fete undoubtedly the blessed virgin knows what she ought to do better than ourselves and i bow myself and bless her name nevertheless my soul is full of frightful sadness he did not tell everything he did not confess the thought which was upsetting him simple childish worthy man that he was whose life had never been troubled by either passion or doubt but his thought was that those poor weeping people the husband and the sister had too many millions that the presents they had brought were too costly that they had given far too much money to the basilica a miracle is not to be bought the wealth of the world is a hindrance rather than an advantage when you address yourself to god assuredly if the blessed virgin had turned a deaf ear to their entreaties had shown them but a stern cold countenance it was in order that she might the more attentively listen to the weak voices of the lowly ones who had come to her with empty hands with no other wealth than their love and these she had loaded with grace flooded with the glowing affection of her divine motherhood and those poor wealthy ones who had not been heard that sister and that husband both so wretched beside the sorry body they were taking away with them they themselves felt like pariahs among the throng of the humble who had been consoled or healed they seemed embarrassed by their very luxury and recoiled awkward and ill at ease covered with shame at the thought that our lady of lourdes had relieved beggars whilst never casting a glance upon that beautiful and powerful lady agonizing unto death amidst all her lace all at once it occurred to pierre that he might have missed seeing monsieur de guersin and marie arrive that they were perhaps already in the carriage he returned thither but there was still only his valise on the seat sister hyacinthe and sister claire des anges however had begun to install themselves pending the arrival of their charges and as gerard just then brought up monsieur sabatier in a little handcart pierre helped to place him in the carriage a laborious task which put both the young priest and gerard into a perspiration the ex-professor who looked disconsolate though very calm at once settled himself in his corner thank you gentlemen said he that's over thank goodness and now they'll only have to take me out at paris after wrapping a rug round his legs madame sabatier who was also there got out of the carriage and remained standing near the open door she was talking to pierre when all at once she broke off to say ah here's madame mars coming to take her seat she confided in me the other day you know she's a very unhappy little woman then in an obliging spirit she called to her and offered to watch over her things but madame mars shook her head laughed and gesticulated as though she were out of her senses no no i'm not going said she what you are not going back no no i am not going that is i am but not with you not with you she wore such an extraordinary air she looked so bright that pierre and madame sabatier found it difficult to recognize her her fair prematurely faded face was radiant she seemed to be ten years younger suddenly aroused from the infinite sadness into which desertion had plunged her and at last her joy overflowing she raised a cry i am going off with him yes he has come to fetch me he is taking me with him yes yes we are going to luchon together together 
then with a rapturous glance she pointed out a dark sturdy-looking young man with gay eyes and bright red lips who was purchasing some newspapers there that's my husband said she that handsome man who's laughing over there with the newspaper girl he turned up here early this morning and he's carrying me off we shall take the toulouse train in a couple of minutes ah oh, dear madame i told you of all my worries and you can understand my happiness can't you however she could not remain silent but again spoke of the frightful letter which she had received on sunday a letter in which he had declared to her that if she should take advantage of her sojourn at lourdes and come to luchon after him he would not open the door to her and think of it theirs had been a love match but for ten years he had neglected her profiting by his continual journeys as a commercial traveller to take friends about with him from one to the other end of france ah that time she had thought it all over she had asked the blessed virgin to let her die for she knew that the faithless one was at that very moment at luchon with two friends what was it then that had happened a thunderbolt must certainly have fallen from heaven those two friends must have received a warning from on high perhaps they had dreamt that they were already condemned to everlasting punishment at all events they had fled one evening without a word of explanation and he unable to live alone had suddenly been seized with the desire to fetch his forsaken wife and keep her with him for a week grace must certainly have fallen on him though he did not say it for he was so kind and pleasant that she could not do otherwise than believe in a real beginning of conversion ah how grateful i am to the blessed virgin she continued she alone can have acted and i well understood her last evening it seemed to me that she made a little sign just at the very moment when my husband was making up his mind to come here to fetch me i asked him at what time it was that the idea occurred to him and the hours fit in exactly ah there has been no greater miracle the others make me smile with their mended legs and their vanished sores blessed be our lady of lourdes who has healed my heart just then the sturdy young man turned round and she darted away to join him so full of delight that she forgot to bid the others good-bye and it was at this moment amidst the growing crowd of patients whom the bearers were bringing that the toulouse train at last came in the tumult increased the confusion became extraordinary bells rang and signals worked whilst the station-master was seen rushing up shouting with all the strength of his lungs be careful there clear the line at once a railway employee had to rush from the platform to push a little vehicle which had been forgotten on the line with an old woman in it out of harm's way however yet another scared band of pilgrims ran across when the steaming growling engine was only thirty yards distant others losing their heads would have been crushed by the wheels if porters had not roughly caught them by the shoulders then without having pounded anybody the train at last stopped alongside the mattresses pillows and cushions lying hither and thither and the bewildered whirling groups of people the carriage doors opened and a torrent of travellers alighted whilst another torrent climbed in these two obstinately contending currents bringing the tumult to a climax faces first wearing an inquisitive expression and then overcome by stupefaction at the astonishing sight showed themselves at the windows of the doors which remained closed and among them one especially noticed the faces of two remarkably pretty girls whose large candid eyes ended by expressing the most dolorous compassion followed by her husband however madame mars had climbed into one of the carriages feeling as happy and buoyant as if she were in her twentieth year again as on the already distant evening of her honeymoon journey and the doors having been slammed the engine gave a loud whistle and began to move going off slowly and heavily between the throng which in the rear of the train flowed on to the lines again like an invading torrent whose floodgates have been swept away bar the platform shouted the station-master to his men keep watch when the engine comes up 
the belated pilgrims and patients had arrived amidst this alert la grivotte passed by with her feverish eyes and excited dancing gait followed by elise rouquet and sophie couteau who were very gay and quite out of breath through running all three hastened to their carriage where sister hyacinthe scolded them they had almost been left behind at the grotto where at times the pilgrims lingered forgetfully unable to tear themselves away still imploring and entreating the blessed virgin when the train was waiting for them at the railway station all at once pierre who likewise was anxious no longer knowing what to think perceived monsieur de guersin and marie quietly talking with abbe Juden on the covered platform he hastened to join them and told them of his impatience what have you been doing he asked i was losing all hope what have we been doing responded monsieur de guersin with quiet astonishment we were at the grotto as you know very well there was a priest there preaching in a most remarkable manner and we should still be there if i hadn't remembered that we had to leave and we took a fly here as we promised you we would do he broke off to look at the clock but hang it all he added there's no hurry the train won't start for another quarter of an hour this was true then marie smiling with divine joy exclaimed oh if you only knew pierre what happiness i have brought away from that last visit to the blessed virgin i saw her smile at me i felt her giving me strength to live really that farewell was delightful and you must not scold us pierre he himself had begun to smile somewhat ill at ease however as he thought of his nervous fidgeting had he then experienced so keen a desire to get far away from lourdes had he feared that the grotto might keep marie that she might never come away from it again now that she was there beside him he was astonished at having indulged such thoughts and felt himself to be very calm however whilst he was advising them to go and take their seats in the carriage he recognized dr chassaigne hastily approaching ah my dear doctor he said i was waiting for you i should have been sorry indeed to have gone away without embracing you but the old doctor who was trembling with emotion interrupted him yes yes i am late but ten minutes ago just as i arrived i caught sight of that eccentric fellow the commander and had a talk with him over yonder he was sneering at the sight of your people taking the train again to go and die at home when said he they ought to have done so before coming to lourdes well all at once while he was talking like this he fell on the ground before me it was his third attack of paralysis the one he had long been expecting oh mon dieu murmured abbe Juden, who heard the doctor he was blaspheming heaven has punished him monsieur de guersin and marie were listening greatly interested and deeply moved i had him carried yonder into that shed continued the doctor it is all over i can do nothing he will doubtless be dead before a quarter of an hour has gone by but i thought of a priest and hastened up to you then turning towards abbe juden monsieur chassaigne added come with me monsieur le cure you know him we cannot let a christian depart unsuccored perhaps he will be moved recognize his error and become reconciled with god abbe juden quickly followed the doctor and in the rear went monsieur de guersin leading marie and pierre whom the thought of this tragedy impassioned all five entered the good shed at twenty paces from the crowd which was still bustling and buzzing without a soul in it suspecting that there was a man dying so near by in a solitary corner of the shed between two piles of sacks filled with oats lay the commander on a mattress borrowed from the hospitality's reserve supply he wore his everlasting frock-coat with its buttonhole decked with a broad red riband and somebody who had taken the precaution to pick up his silver-knobbed walking-stick had carefully placed it on the ground beside the mattress abbe Juden at once leant over him 
you recognize us you can hear us my poor friend can't you answered the priest only the commander's eyes now appeared to be alive but they were alive still glittering brightly with a stubborn flame of energy the attack had this time fallen on his right side almost entirely depriving him of the power of speech he could only stammer a few words by which he succeeded in making them understand that he wished to die there without being moved or worried any further he had no relative at lourdes where nobody knew anything either of his former life or his family for three years he had lived there happily on the salary attached to his little post at the station and now he at last beheld his ardent his only desire approaching fulfilment the desire that he might depart and fall into the eternal sleep his eyes expressed the great joy he felt at being so near his end have you any wish to make known to us resumed abbe Jeden. cannot we be useful to you in any way no no his eyes replied that he was all right well pleased for three years past he had never got up in the morning without hoping that by night-time he would be sleeping in the cemetery whenever he saw the sunshine he was wont to say in an envious tone what a beautiful day for departure and now that death was at last at hand ready to deliver him from his hateful existence it was indeed welcome i can do nothing science is powerless he is condemned said dr chassaigne in a low bitter tone to the old priest who begged him to attempt some effort however at the same moment it chanced that an aged woman a pilgrim of fourscore years who had lost her way and knew not whither she was going entered the shed lame and humpbacked reduced to the stature of childhood's days afflicted with all the ailments of extreme old age she was dragging herself along with the assistance of a stick and at her side was slung a can full of lured water which she was taking away with her in the hope of yet prolonging her old age in spite of all its frightful decay for a moment her senile imbecile mind was quite scared she stood looking at that outstretched stiffened man who was dying then a gleam of grandmotherly kindliness appeared in the depths of her dim vague eyes and with the sisterly feelings of one who was very aged and suffered very grievously she drew nearer and taking hold of her can with her hands which never ceased shaking she offered it to the man to abbe Juden, this seemed like a sudden flash of light an inspiration from on high he who had prayed so fervently and so often for the cure of madame de la fee without being heard by the blessed virgin now glowed with fresh faith in the conviction that if the commander would only drink that water he would be cured the old priest fell upon his knees beside the mattress oh brother he said it is god who has sent you this woman reconcile yourself with god drink and pray whilst we ourselves implore the divine mercy with our whole souls god will prove his power to you god will work the great miracle of setting you erect once more so that you may yet spend many years upon this earth loving him and glorifying him no no the commander's sparkling eyes cried no he indeed show himself as cowardly as those flocks of pilgrims who came from afar through so many fatigues in order to drag themselves on the ground and sob and beg heaven to let them live a month a year ten years longer it was so pleasant so simple to die quietly in your bed you turned your face to the wall and you died drink oh my brother i implore you continued the old priest it is life that you will drink it is strength and health the very joy of living drink that you may become young again that you may begin a new and pious life drink that you may sing the praises of the divine mother who will have saved both your body and your soul she is speaking to me your resurrection is certain but no but no the eyes refused declined the offer of life with growing obstinacy 
and in their expression now appeared a covert fear of the miraculous the commander did not believe for three years he had been shrugging his shoulders at the pretended cases of cure but could one ever tell in this strange world of ours such extraordinary things did sometimes happen and if by chance their water should really have a supernatural power and if by force they should make him drink some of it it would be terrible to have to live again to endure once more the punishment of a galley slave existence that abomination which lazarus the pitiable object of the great miracle had suffered twice no no he would not drink he would not incur the fearful risk of resurrection drink drink my brother repeated abbe Juden, who was now in tears do not harden your heart to refuse the favours of heaven and then a terrible thing was seen this man already half dead raised himself shaking off the stifling bonds of paralysis loosening for a second his tied tongue and stammering growling in a hoarse voice no 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 pierre had to lead the stupefied old woman away and put her in the right direction again she had failed to understand that refusal of the water which she herself was taking home with her like an inestimable treasure the very gift of god's eternity to the poor who did not wish to die lame of one leg humpbacked dragging the sorry remnants of her fourscore years along by the assistance of her stick she disappeared among the tramping crowd consumed by the passion of being eager for space air sunshine and noise marie and her father had shuddered in presence of that appetite for death that greedy hungering for the end which the commander showed ah to sleep to sleep without a dream in the infinite darkness forever and forever nothing in the world could have seemed so sweet to him he did not hope in a better life he had no desire to become happy at last in a paradise where equality and justice would reign his sole longing was for black night and endless sleep the joy of being no more of never never being again and dr chassaigne also had shuddered for he also nourished but one thought the thought of the happy moment when he would depart but in his case on the other side of this earthly existence he would find his dear lost ones awaiting him at the spot where eternal life began and how icy cold all would have seemed had he but for a single moment thought that he might not meet them there abbe Judaine painfully rose up it had seemed to him that the commander was now fixing his bright eyes upon marie deeply grieved that his entreaties should have been of no avail the priest wished to show the dying man an example of that goodness of god which he repulsed you recognize her do you not he asked yes it is the young lady who arrived here on saturday so ill with both legs paralyzed and you see her now so full of health so strong so beautiful heaven has taken pity on her and now she is reviving to youth to the long life she was born to live do you feel no regret in seeing her would you also like her to be dead would you have advised her not to drink the water the commander could not answer but his eyes no longer strayed from marie's young face on which one read such great happiness at having resuscitated such vast hopes in countless morrows and tears appeared in those fixed eyes of his gathered under their lids and rolled down his cheeks which were already cold he was certainly weeping for her he must have been thinking of that other miracle which he had wished her that if she should be cured she might be happy it was the tenderness of an old man who knows the miseries of this world stirred to pity by the thought of all the sorrows which await this young creature ah poor woman how many times perhaps might she regret that she had not died in her twentieth year 
then the commander's eyes grew very dim as though those last pitiful tears had dissolved them it was the end coma was coming the mind was departing with the breath he slightly turned and died dr chassaigne at once drew marie aside the train's starting he said make haste make haste indeed the loud ringing of a bell was clearly resounding above the growing tumult of the crowd and the doctor having requested two bearers to watch the body which would be removed later on when the train had gone desired to accompany his friends to their carriage they hastened their steps abbe juden who was in despair joined them after saying a short prayer for the repose of that rebellious soul however while marie followed by pierre and monsieur de garcin was running along the platform she was stopped once more and this time by dr bonamy who triumphantly presented her to father fourcade here is mademoiselle de garcin your reverence the young lady who was healed so marvellously yesterday the radiant smile of a general who was reminded of his most decisive victory appeared on father fourcade's face i know i know i was there he replied god has blessed you among all women my dear daughter go and cause his name to be worshipped then he congratulated monsieur de garcin whose paternal pride savoured divine enjoyment it was the ovation beginning afresh the concert of loving words and enraptured glances which had followed the girl through the streets of lourdes that morning and which again surrounded her at the moment of departure the bell might go on ringing a circle of delighted pilgrims still lingered around her it seemed as if she were carrying away in her person all the glory of the pilgrimage the triumph of religion which would echo and echo to the four corners of the earth and pierre was moved as he noticed the dolorous group which madame jousseur and monsieur dieu le fay formed near by their eyes were fixed upon marie like the others they were astonished by the resurrection of this beautiful girl whom they had seen lying inert emaciated with ashen face why should that child have been healed why not the young woman the dear woman whom they were taking home in a dying state their confusion their sense of shame seemed to increase they drew back uneasy like pariahs burdened with too much wealth and it was a great relief for them when three bearers having with difficulty placed madame dieu la fay in the first class compartment they themselves were able to vanish into it in company with abbe juden the employés were already shouting take your seats take your seats and father Macias, the spiritual director of the train had returned to his compartment leaving father fourcade on the platform leaning on dr bonamy's shoulder in all haste gerard and berteau again saluted the ladies while raymonde got in to join madame des agneaux and madame volmar in their corner and madame de jonquiere at last ran off to her carriage which she reached at the same time as the garcins there was hustling and shouting and wild running from one to the other end of the long train to which the engine a copper engine glittering like a star had just been coupled pierre was helping marie into the carriage when monsieur vigneron coming back at a gallop shouted to him it'll be good to-morrow it'll be good to-morrow very red in the face he showed and waved his ticket and then galloped off to the compartment where his wife and son had their seats in order to announce the good news to them when marie and her father were installed in their places pierre lingered for another moment on the platform with dr chassaigne who embraced him paternally the young man wished to induce the doctor to return to paris and take some little interest in life again but monsieur chassaigne shook his head no no my dear child he replied i shall remain here they are here they keep me here he was speaking of his dear lost ones then very gently and lovingly he said farewell not farewell my dear doctor till we meet again yes yes farewell the commander was right you know 
nothing can be so sweet as to die but to die in order to live again baron Swier was now giving orders for the removal of the white flags on the foremost and hindmost carriages of the train the shouts of the railway employés were ringing out in more and more imperious tones take your seats take your seats and now came the supreme scramble the torrent of belated pilgrims rushing up distracted breathless and covered with perspiration madame de jonquiere and sister hyacinthe were counting their party in the carriage la grivotte elise rouquet and sophie Couteau were all three there madame sabatier too had taken her seat in front of her husband who with his eyes half closed was patiently awaiting the departure however a voice inquired and madame vincent isn't she going back with us thereupon sister hyacinthe who was leaning out of the window exchanging a last smile with ferrand who stood at the door of the cantine van exclaimed here she comes madame vincent crossed the lines rushed up the last of all breathless and haggard and at once by an involuntary impulse pierre glanced at her arms they carried nothing now all the doors were being closed slammed one after the other the carriages were full and only the signal for departure was awaited panting and smoking the engine gave vent to a first loud whistle shrill and joyous and at that moment the sun hitherto veiled from sight dissipated the light cloudlets and made the whole train resplendent gilding the engine which seemed on the point of starting for the legendary paradise no bitterness but a divine infantile gaiety attended the departure all the sick appeared to be healed though most of them were being taken away in the same condition as they had been brought they went off relieved and happy at all events for an hour and not the slightest jealousy tainted their brotherly and sisterly feelings those who were not cured waxed quite gay triumphant at the cure of the others their own turns would surely come yesterday's miracle was the formal promise of tomorrow's even after those three days of burning entreaty their fever of desire remained within them the faith of the forgotten ones continued as keen as ever in the conviction that the blessed virgin had simply deferred a cure for their soul's benefit inextinguishable love invincible hope glowed within all those wretched ones thirsting for life and so a last outburst of joy a turbulent display of happiness laughter and shouts overflowed from all the crowded carriages till next year we'll come back we'll come back again was the cry and then the gay little sisters of the assumption clapped their hands and the hymn of gratitude the magnificat began sung by all the eight hundred pilgrims magnificat anima mea dominum my soul doth magnify the lord thereupon the station-master his mind at last at ease his arms hanging beside him caused the signal to be given the engine whistled once again and then set out rolling along in the dazzling sunlight as amidst a glory although his leg was causing him great suffering father fourcade had remained on the platform leaning upon dr bonamy's shoulders and in spite of everything saluting the departure of his dear children with a smile Berthaud, Gérard, and Baron Suir formed another group, and near them were Dr. Chassaigne and Monsieur Vigneron waving their handkerchiefs. Heads were looking joyously out of the windows of the fleeing carriages, whence other handkerchiefs were streaming in the current of air produced by the motion of the train. Madame Vigneron compelled Gustave to show his pale little face, and for a long time Raymond's small hand could be seen waving good wishes but marie remained the last looking back on lourdes as it grew smaller and smaller amidst the trees across the bright countryside the train triumphantly disappeared resplendent growling chanting at the full pitch of its eight hundred voices et exultavit spiritus meus in deo salutari meo and my spirit hath rejoiced in god my saviour 
End of section 23.